0: Welcome to Shatter by Rockwell Automation, women in the field. Hi, everyone. For those of you that missed the last episode or weren't able to tune in, I shared that we're bringing in a new Shatter team um, and we are co-hosting different episodes with new members of that team. So today I'd like to welcome Reagan Matthews as my co-host. Thanks so much. Excited to get started. Reagan Matthews how are you?
1: I'm doing so well. Um, My my dad's visiting Denver um, this week so it's been a blast to show him all my friends and places and so we've been having a lot of fun. Oh amazing. Is it his first time? His second time Um, but I feel like there's always so much more for him to see so we're having a blast.
0: Oh that's so fun. Uh, Are you all ready for Labor Day?
1: more than ready. Yeah, I think so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, same. I am more than ready for our guest today. Uh, Today we have Angel Rogers and for the last 15 plus years, she's had the opportunity to build and lead customer success and renewals teams for some of the largest names in technology. And for the past almost two years, She's had the honor of leading the CS and renewals organization at Rockwell Automation, which is a team responsible for developing deep customer relationships, driving adoption and utilization of our customers' investments, delivering valuable customer insights, and partnering with our customers to achieve their business outcomes. The team is also responsible for ensuring that our customers are receiving value and peace of mind through renewal and expansion, uh, excuse me, conversations. For their rockwell investment throughout their life cycle she has a true passion for customer success which you'll see in this conversation highlighted for delivering the best possible customer experience and creating an environment that fosters and accelerates that same passion in our teams while providing employees a safe fun and rewarding environment and she's been lucky enough to take these passions and turn them into her actual career as you'll also see Diversity, equity, and inclusion are at the center of everything Angel does, both inside and outside of work, and as an active member of multiple employee resource groups at Rockwell. Numerous customer success diversity councils, as well as an alumni board member for Yeah, which stands for Youth Empowerment Through Arts and Humanities. Angel truly tries to live the values of an inclusive approach. She's also a member of CHIEF and incredibly excited about the impact and reach that this powerful organization is having for the next generation of diverse leaders. On a personal note, Angel lives in Nashville with her husband, Cole, and her two dogs, Harley and Luna. And she's recently been given the amazing gift of bringing her baby brother, Jaden, into her household as his guardian. Jaden starts high school this fall, and they've been having as many adventures as possible with the new family unit while preparing for many
2: new and exciting experiences together. Angel, welcome to Shatter. Thank you so much for having me. Can I, I just have to start by saying the two of you have the most amazing podcast voices And <laughs> <laughs> to try to, to meet you. <laughs> oh my God. You sound
1: great. I love well, that you. acronym. Yeah.
2: Isn't it fun? Yeah. It's, I mean, now we're just going to keep saying yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Uh, yeah, I I love that it what it represents and stands for. And it's just a really special organization.
0: Which is a perfect segue. Let's get right into it. In getting to know you a bit. uh, I imagine you've had to forge your own path in many ways. What have been some sources of inspiration um, or guidance for you?
2: That's a great question. I think, you know, we all sort of have our own paths, regardless of, you know, what our background or diversity looks like. I think mine has been unique in the sense that I am um, first generation, my mother's from Iran. And so I didn't necessarily have a parent that had navigated like a corporate business life or even, you know, American universities. And so I really had to look, um, you know, to my parents' guides in terms of, humanity and how you want to show up, but maybe less so in terms of how you forge your career or navigate, you know, a corporate environment. And so I really look to, you know, my peers, bosses um, around me for inspiration. Like I'm a big believer that doesn't matter what somebody's title is. They're probably doing something that can motivate and inspire you to do things differently as well. Right. So I try to look all around me and then even like things like TV and characters that you see, right? I don't know um, if everybody watches, but there's a show Parks and Rec. And Leslie Ngo is one of the most delightful characters of all time. And I really said, like, I want to be that sort of leader. I want people to know that I care about them and show them. And so like, it I, for me, at least, like, that path can be influenced by almost anything around you. The only thing that I'd say in terms of, like, my own path is I always have, it's been very important to me that I can be proud of the way I have navigated my path. And so whatever I do, it has to be true to myself. It needs to feel like it's moving forward, but moving forward in a way that is, you know, bringing positivity
1: along. That's great to hear. Yeah, I I agree. I think you can find inspiration everywhere for me in the workplace. um, One of the kind of best ways to find my path has been through mentorship What have been kind of your guiding principles when you're looking for a mentor in the workplace? What are some of the qualities that you're looking for?
2: Yeah, you know, it's really interesting because I've I've been really blessed to have a lot of natural mentors in my career. I look for people who are invested in things outside of their own career path. I think there are people and, and this is totally fine, but the people who are hyper focused on their own path, tend to not always see the paths of those around them. And mm-hmm. so I've always looked for people that maybe feel like they are where they want to be and confident and secure in their position, which means they have something to give around them sometimes. Um, so I've I've been really lucky to find those people. Um, really early in my career, I was introduced to the concept of sponsorship. And it really resonated with me. Again, I'd say for me, a mentor could be anybody. It could be somebody that is reporting into me. It could be somebody around me in a totally different role. It's just somebody who I think can teach me different ways to do things. A sponsor is truly that person that's above you and advocating for you and saying your name on your behalf when you're not in the room. Um, That's where I feel like I've been really blessed to find sponsors in my career that have have removed roadblocks right where people doubt my background i don't have like an ivy league education and in some tech companies that that really can hurt you um i've always had those people around me that have said like these are not going to be stoppers for you we're going to see who you are and see your work and highlight it in a way that continues to allow you to to go forward
1: amazing That's advice great. Yeah, yeah I, I love that. Looking for advocacy in addition to mentorship. And I, I really like you calling out being able to learn from not necessarily just your superiors, but anyone on your team. That's a very Leslie nope ish uh, <laughs> approach. I love that.
0: Yeah, it sounds like Leslie Nope is a mentor of yours and <laughs> I have to agree. I'd put her on my board of directors as well. Uh Leslie, nope. Also, uh, one of the things that that she emulates. We'll just keep this going. Is a sense of belonging, uh, which is crucial to workplace satisfaction and overall well-being. Has it been challenging for you to feel a sense of belonging in that journey that you've kind of shared? And what advice would you give someone who's struggling to feel that they belong?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that you know we all have our own insecurities that that pop up in ways we could never even anticipate. I You know, going back, not to make this a psychology session, but like going back to even growing up, I grew up in a pretty small city that was, you know, very, um, a very like German background, which is blonde hair, blue eyes in a lot of cases. And I just always felt like physically I didn't fit in. Like, I remember being a little girl and people would stop my mom and say how exotic I looked. And I thought that was the meanest thing anybody could ever say. Right. Like when you're little, all you want to do is fit in. And even though we try to shed that, it sometimes follows us, even as adults, even in our career, right? And so when I was really starting in my career, and I would look around in these rooms, and I was the only female, I was maybe the only female that was five foot one, maybe I was the only female that was under the age of 40, or whatever that looked like, right? And no matter what, it doesn't matter if it could be deemed a strength or a weakness, if you're different, you can feel isolated. And so for me, I always felt like I didn't look like the others in the room, which meant maybe I didn't have as much to give, or maybe I didn't belong in that room. And what I really started to embrace, I think, as I had the right sort of sponsors and mentors around me that were, were affirming that what I was doing was right, I'd look around and I'd see, well, I'm doing things really differently from everyone else, but I'm being told that it's valuable. And so I started to like, hold on to that and embrace it. And it's okay to be different and it's okay to not even maybe belong sometimes, right? Like you don't have to feel like you are the same, check the list in the room as everyone else. What you have to do is know your value, know what you bring to the table. And we don't get handed out gifts. None of us do in terms of business, right? So if you're in the room, you've probably done something to deserve to be in the room. And so it's just a matter for me, at least, of embracing that. And what I've seen is the more authentic and the more genuine I showed up, the more the people around me were embracing that as well. And I was starting to build build these relationships that now made me feel like I belonged. So it was like an embracing the fact that maybe I, I didn't sound and look and decide things the way everyone else did. I found my space, which made me feel part of something bigger.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. I think it's easy to think in order to fit in, you have to kind of match the the team. Um, But it's great that you can recognize, you know, you are part of the team and and you are shaping it just as much as everyone else is. Um, You mentioned, you know, authenticity and being yourself. And we talk about bringing your whole self to work, but that can be, Easier said than done. Um, a lot of times, it takes a leap of faith to um, be vulnerable with with your peers. Um, has it been a challenge for you at all to be vulnerable and and prioritize that authentic self while also maintaining an, an air of confidence um, among your peers?
2: Yeah, I think sometimes those things can feel in conflict with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll just say, like, my natural personality is I'm kind of silly and I I joke a lot, and when especially when I was coming up, right. When you're the youngest person in the room and you have that personality, you can almost feel like, Oh no, am I the child in the room? Am, am I not <laughs> supposed to be here?
0: Oh my God. Yes. <laughs>
2: right. right. Yes. And so I, I think for me, even still today, sometimes like I'll say something on a call that, you know, it just was me being my authentic self. And afterwards I'll kind of beat myself up. And I'm like, I shouldn't have said that. And then almost always the things that i beat myself up over somebody from my team or one of my peers will reach out to me later and be like i'm so glad you said that or like they're like sometimes again the things that make you feel a lack of confidence but are authentic while we might question ourselves a lot of times the people around us that's the things that are resonating for them right like it shows again sort of who you are i just i think the thing i've learned the most in terms of like the confidence aspect is I don't necessarily have to be confident in everything that I do. It's okay to have some nerves. It's okay to feel like, you know, maybe I don't know this, but what I can say again is I'm always proud of showing up as myself. And I I try to embrace that when I have been the most successful, it's when I've been the most truest to myself. You know, we talk a lot about imposter syndrome imposter syndrome is pretending to be somebody that you're not it's not pretending mm. to don't know mm-hmm. it's not pretending to be at a higher level than you are it's none of those things it is purely pretending to be a human that you're not and so i've i've really tried to embrace like i don't feel imposter syndrome because i wake up and i try to be angel every day and i'm going to be good at some things and i'm going to need support on others and like that's okay
0: That is so insightful. I I can't say I've thought of imposter syndrome in those terms. And I think we talk a lot about what imposter syndrome is since it's been on the, uh, you know, corporate conversation list, let's say, top five for the last couple of years. Um, But I really like uh, thinking about it in terms of showing up as who you are. And definitely, I'm sure there's a lot of, uh, you know, early career people, that that message really resonates that you don't have to be, you know, in a suit and look a certain way and say all the right things and make sports and military analogies <laughs> to fit in and do a good job. And, it's true. right? Um uh, you manage a diverse team, it sounds like what what steps do you take to foster an inclusive environment among your own team where you can say those things and and be human and still get get great work done,
2: I know everyone says this, but I genuinely have the most amazing team in the world. I cannot believe that I get to work with these people, and some of them I inherited when I came into Rockwell. they were already on the team, and they've become like I can't imagine my work life without them. and there's some that I have taken from company to company. I've got some people with me that I've been with for fifteen years, and so it's just this really amazing environment of people who are so intelligent, so good at what they do, and so, like, just genuinely good people. And so it's really easy when you have an environment of of those kind of skill sets, as well as kind humans who continuously show up to support each other, to make it feel like an inclusive environment. I think, you know, one of the things in my bio that I, I truly, like, think is important and we don't talk about enough is a safe environment there's no repercussions. Like if you made the right decision with the best intent and you did it for the greater good, even if it doesn't end up that way, even if there's some disastrous outcome, like there's no sense of punishment in in the environments I try to create because it's just, you know, we're all showing up to do our best. Um, And so I think that that sense of safety of I get to try things, I get to potentially break things and not feel like I'm gonna be demeaned for it, I think is really important. But I would also say on the other side of that, we're I call it like an always on feedback mechanism. I tell people when something is not right or if I don't agree and they tell me if I'm not right and if they don't agree. And so it's like, yes, there's no repercussions, but because we don't have to hit that point, right? As things are happening, we're communicating, we're talking, we're saying, what we feel comfortable with, what we see flags in. And I think in that, you start to have people willing to speak up and voice their thoughts. I'm always impressed in my team meetings that it's not one voice. Everyone tends to speak up and is represented. And to me, that's the definition of an inclusive environment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like there's really a sense of mutual respect between the leader and who they're leading. And that really does create a a dynamic where you feel comfortable taking risks, you know, and, and moving more quickly and, and following your gut. Um, and that makes her much more productive and, and ultimately happy team, you know?
2: One of the best compliments, um, and I truly mean this, uh, one of the guys who works for me that has come with me from a few other companies, he said to me just the other day, he was like, yeah, I can't believe I've been working with you for 15 years. And then he said, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I've been working for you. And I was like, no, no, no. You've been working with me like we do this together. And the fact that he said that, that is actually the biggest compliment that he feels like we're partners in this and he feels safe and protected and he feels like we are in this together. And to me, again, that that's an environment that I think we all would want to be a part of.
0: Yeah. And 15 years. I mean, that's
2: (laughs) objectively an accomplishment. So, yes,
1: congratulations. Thanks. Okay, so we'll shift a bit to the the work that you're doing in the customer success organization. Um, You're the director of our customer success team. Can you tell us about some of your priorities in that work right now? Yeah, it's
2: um, just such a fun organization to be a part of. Like We get to be this sort of connector between our customers and Rockwell. And so there's so much that we do that's like external facing. There's so much that we do that's internal facing. And it's still a fairly young organization. So customer success has only been around Rockwell for about five years. And so we're still almost like we're like a mini startup within Rockwell in a sense, right? So we get to sort of build as we're executing, um, which has just been a lot of fun, I think, for all of us, because we feel like we're, again, kind of creating something. And so in terms of priorities, I think there's probably a pretty solid mix in terms of external and structure and foundations and technology and processes and we have people who wake up every day and are making that so much better and so much um more powerful and then i also have a group of people who wake up every day and they're every minute is with customers and they're really trying to help customers embrace our contracts and our software and making sure that customers are getting the value out of these in a way that, you know, it's not a a sell a big box and walk away sort of experience. It's a you've bought something that we're going to help you embed in your everyday processes. And so we get to sort of be this like advocate and champion for our customers and gets this kind of cool role that mixes together the ability to be you know, driving usage, having these value conversations, providing, you know, business acumen reviews, but then also there's a commercial aspect to it because we do renew our customers and we do drive, you know, expansion and growth opportunities. And so we're really trying to just make sure that everything we're doing is driving value for our customers and also making, you know, Rockwell better and more profitable and so again, it's kind of this fun role that we get to have a little bit of both both sides of that
1: are you certain you have access to critical spare parts and know your equipment obsolescence risk the best way to improve maintenance repair and operations practices is to start with a thorough understanding of where in the product life cycle you are today the installed base evaluation makes it easy for you to collect and analyze critical performance information within your facility and across your enterprise. Now you're ready to plan for your facility's future. Throughout this conversation, it's, it's really clear that um, belonging and understanding are, are important to you. Um, as CultureAmp describes it. DEI, and Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, is also an invitation to hear and learn more about others' experiences and systematically examine the workings of our society, even if it feels pretty uncomfortable sometimes. So to me, these same values of empathy and introspection seem really crucial to customer success. How do you feel like these two passions of yours relate?
2: Yeah, um, that's a great question. So when I look for a customer success manager and when we're hiring, and I've I've actually been asked this um, by a lot of organizations that are building like job descriptions or profiles for customer success. And I really do say like, it's not about like their technical background always. It's not about them understanding an industry. Those are things that we can teach. Good leaders can teach how to be proficient in automation or Rockwell. I think what we can't always teach are the personality traits that have to be present in a good customer success manager, which are things like empathy, kindness, listening, advocacy. Like these are all, these are all traits that my best customer success managers, that's just inherent to who they are. And so I think those traits are also really critical in a diverse workplace, right? Inclusivity is so wrapped around the ability to fill, again, I go back to the word safe and advocated for, and that you have space. And I think that's a lot of what our customer success managers try to provide for our customers, right? Like this is their advocate within Rockwell. And so I think that those two, those two sort of profiles, personality profiles tend to be really tightly aligned.
0: I have to say, I love that in that description that you just shared the term soft skills was not used. I think soft skills as a term is on its way out and for good reason. Like you said, it's very, very difficult to teach the personality traits and the, you know, those are deeply integrated um, to who we are. Not to say that, you know, people can't change and evolve and learn that, but um, that's really wise. I I noticed that.
2: (laughs) I love that I haven't even thought about it's funny soft skills is like not in my vocabulary even though we hear it all the time yeah and I've always sort of not used it and I don't know if I ever clicked as to why until you just said
0: that (laughs) (laughs) amazing well yeah I'm team they're not soft skills they're very important uh I like that you said personality profiles
2: power skills that's what they are power
0: skills there you go now that being said Let's take a minute to be retrospective as we're as we're kind of wrapping up this phenomenal conversation. What emotional or in, interpersonal evolution have you witnessed in your career when mm-hmm. we are talking about you know personality profiles
2: uh it's a it's a great question um so I would say you know when I started, I felt like my personality traits growing up i'm I'm fairly type a I am like, I I think sometimes I can be overbearing. I'm a, you know, I, I like to have some control. And I think that I led with that at the beginning of my career in a really aggressive way, almost. I'm incredibly competitive. And I allowed that to define me as like my corporate self. And I thought, you know, this has gotten me ahead in sports growing up. This is obviously going to be what works in business, Right. And so what I saw was I was isolating a lot of people. I was getting work done. I was good at what I did, but people didn't like working for me. And I'll tell you, my first I interviewed for my first team lead position, I was probably like 24 years old. And this sounds awful, but I promise that it impacted me in a really positive way. As I was interviewing with my manager, he kind of stopped me and said, Angel, I think you can do all of these things. I believe in you. I don't think a single person would want to work for you. And it sounds so harsh and it is, it is. And at the time it was like a gut punch, but I went home and I thought like, he's not just attacking me. He's observing something that he felt important enough to say to me. Like, I have to take a second and say like, what am I doing wrong? And so for me, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to win these people over. I'm going to make it. So they're all begging that I'm their team lead. And so I started, I memorized everybody's birthday. We had a team of 18 people. I memorized everybody's birthday. And their favorite treat. I like baking. So I baked every single person what their favorite treat was on their birthday. And I think it made people feel special. And I think it made each of us have these individual relationships. That wasn't business. That wasn't corporate. But I realized like I could keep doing my work, but also show my humanity. I, I actually genuinely did care about these people and their birthdays and what treats they wanted, right? And so it was okay to bring that piece of me to work that maybe initially I thought I had to hide because I couldn't be this like overly feminine energy mm-hmm. and, and personality. And yeah. so I just, I failed that to say like, that was a first step in my journey where I realized like, I can, I can let these people around me know that I care about them beyond numbers on a spreadsheet and they might care about me too in return. And I, I mean, of that team of people who I had zero relationship with, by the time I was in my late twenties, I'd been in three of their weddings. And these are people that I still hold like so dear to my heart. Like these are lifetime friends because I allowed myself to say like, it's going to be more than just showing up and like writing emails and hitting numbers. Um, And so I, I still have that to say, like my interpersonal journey has again been when I put people first, those people are able to put the company first and those people are able to put our customers first. And it has felt for me that, you know, it's not ever, at the expense of doing the job at hand, but those two things can go together.
0: What an incredible story. I, there's, I, first of all, love a good feedback moment. It always feels like a gut punch. And then you go home and you think about it and you're like, You know, yeah, like I can definitely, it definitely resonates, you know, being very type A and, and trying to move forward. And then you hit a point in your career where you're like, for what, (laughs) for who? It's not, it's not as fun to to try
2: to do everything on your own. So thank you for sharing. And at what expense, right? Like moving forward, if you're leaving a wake in your, in your (laughs) path, that is, you know, like causing havoc and destruction, like that's, that's not good for anybody. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, good. Looking ahead, how do you expect customer success to evolve in the next 5 years and what role do you think uh DE and I will play in this change?
2: So, I think that, you know, as we look at customer success in the next 5 years, I think technology is going to be a huge part, right? Like I I have a really firm belief that either you embrace where like artificial intelligence and machine learning is going, or you're going to get left behind. And I think that customer success being such a young practice just in general, right? It was born in software basically, is going to probably be at the forefront of a lot of that AI and technology. So I think we're gonna see a way that we can augment what our people can do. I I heard at a conference, somebody say, AI is not likely to replace jobs in the last 10 in the next 10 years. It is likely to replace jobs that don't embrace AI, if <laughs> that makes sense, right? And so I think like it's going to be really important that we don't lose what's so special about customer success and the people part of that business, but that we augment the work around them so they can even spend more time with their customers and more time doing the more like human value interactions. Um so I think you know, all that to say, I think technology will be a big part. I think, you know, again, it's going to continue to evolve within Rockwell in particular. We're still a young enough organization and it's, you know, it's transforming 120 years of the way we did business. And so I think you'll see us continue to become more and more proactive in nature, more and more driving the like high value Usage conversations versus the more like tactical contract administration. I think that's like our evolution journey, um, and I think that DE and I plays a huge role because again, if we have the same voices representing where we're going that have represented where we've come from, it's really hard to evolve in the in the speed that we need to. And so I think it's going to be really important, you know, when when I think about diversity especially diversity, right? Like it doesn't have to look like a certain gender or profile. Like it just is a matter of, to me, it's diverse experiences. And ideally those diverse experiences are going to come from people of all walks of life with all kinds of different traits. But it really is about making sure that you have diverging opinions in the room that are representing all sorts of, of past experiences. Um, So I think it's going to play a huge role. Like I I have a really special mix on in our organization of internal Rockwell people that have been here. I've got people that have been here over 30 years and their voices are equally as important as the people that have been here six months. Right. Because they're bringing something different to the table. You know, one thing I'd say in terms of diversity, that's really important to me. and, And it kind of shows in some of the people I have around me. I know my strengths. I'm aware of what I'm good at. I am equally, if not more aware of what I'm not good at and my weaknesses. And, you know, there's like in um, education now, they're sort of saying, don't take the classes where kids are failing and make them do more of that. Take the classes where they're good and really double down. And so my approach has been, I try to double down on what I'm good at and I surround myself with the people that can pick up where I'm weak. Because yes, I need to be at least like, I can't be horrible at some of these things, but it's okay if it's my weakness and that I have somebody that has my back around me that can pick up some of those things. And so when you look at my team, like we're very different people. We have very different opinions. We have really different approaches to how we do things, yet we're really powerful together because of the diverse voices.
1: Yeah, it's a a really empowering message to hear you know, embracing one another's strengths and also weaknesses will, you know, lead us to a more cohesive, you know, productive team. And I don't know, the future you describe is is one that I'm excited about.
2: Oh, thank you! I love that.
0: Perfect place to end there, Angel. Thank you so much. I learned so much from this call, and uh, I'm ready for a very positive day after this conversation. <laughs> right. Thank
2: you. I can't thank you enough for having me and and giving me this platform to talk about these things. So thank you. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you.